into Shut Up and Invest. And we are officially live. Another episode of Shut Up and Invest. Jay Money, what is going on, my brother? Hey, Kevin, how you doing, man? Looking good today. You got some uh, some business things today to close. Today's a, today's money meetings, so I had to throw meetings. on. The suit. I haven't thrown on. I haven't thrown on a suit in uh, well over a year. Wow. Well over a year. <laughs> I've, been, I've been in pandemic t-shirts and hats pretty much so uh today was money day so i had to get all all uh nice and we got a guest coming on in a few minutes he's logging on that uh is speaking cash flow money too so you know we have to look good for it today definitely definitely yeah we're gonna be talking about a huge cash flow success uh with actually somebody that works in my organization so one of my boots on the ground so uh, we'll go through this deal. This is a deal that me and you and Jared all had our hands in because Kevin actually financed the deal for us. So this would be a good example, you know, a good topic today to talk about, you know, some great cash, a different type of investment too. Yeah. Cash flow right now is king. If you're picking it correctly, there is um, some people suffering in the cash flow real estate game because they were hit with um, tenants that were affected with the shutdowns and the pandemic. So that right there is definitely a something that's hard to predict, you know, in the future going forward when we're renting properties. Um, you know, to, nobody would have ever thought. It just it, it reminds me of the conversation of like 2008, where it's like nobody would have ever thought that the banks would have been, you know, in such a, a major issue. Now the conversation is well, nobody would have ever thought that. The government would shut down businesses and and then people wouldn't be able to pay their rent and then people are going in forbearance with their mortgage payments nobody would have ever thought but i think every time these things happen is yeah you can't predict um what's going to happen next but it starts to look at your tenant screening for example in the future a little bit different i start now to really um i'm i'm renting a couple places as we speak and it's, it starts to become, well, what do they do for a living? Like, mm -hmm. what, how vital is it? Is it essential, right? Now, essential jobs <laughs> is a topic of conversation, which before yeah. it never was. Yeah, no, that's true. Also, you know, we're getting a lot of, lot of leads with investors who have tenant place where those tenants might be a little bit behind or they might not be paying at all. Where these investors are willing to give this property up, you know, for a good price. And it becomes on, can you weather the storm, right? So can you buy that property and either wait until the moratoriums are over? Can you rework it with the, working with the tenants? You know, can you weather the storm um, and ride the wave? Because look, there are some good deals out there. There are investors right now who might own one or two properties and, you know, they can't weather the storm of tenants not paying, but you might be able to buy that property for 50, 60 cents on the dollar. And if you can hold on, you're going to have a good deal because remember, prices aren't going down. The market's not dropping right now. Right. But there's a portion of the market that are tenant owned properties where these t these investors are feeling pain, you know, so that's definitely yeah. a what I'm what I'm really waiting for is what's going to happen. It's like musical chairs right now. What's going to happen when the banks stop giving forbearance 
and stop deferring their mortgage payments. And now investors in certain markets have to start making payments again with their tenants still not paying them the rent. And the court system for evictions has not caught up fast mm -hmm. enough. So now how many payments can that tenant make? I mean, that landlord make without the tenant paying him before he gets desperate or she gets desperate and now puts the property up for sale. And potentially, depending on how much uh, inventory of a similar situation basically explodes out into the market is going to dictate where the prices go. That's really what I'm paying attention to right now. Yeah, I am too. And I'm paying close attention because we both know banks don't want these houses, right? <laughs> like we know banks don't want houses. They don't want to take houses back. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see what kind of programs does the government put in place because we're in a, we're in an area now where the government keeps putting things in place whenever they want to, right? Um and what is the bank's protocol going to be when they have all these homeowners who had to write out this wave of these moratoriums and non-paying tenants? So interesting times for sure. <clears throat> got not, got we got Jared in the house. Jared, what's up, my brother? What's going on, Kevin? What's up, Jory? What's going you on, hear Jared? Me? Everything good. We hear we you perfect, hear you. bro. All right. You, you, you're set up. No technical difficulties. You ready to rock and roll? Ready to go. Ready to go. All right, we got Joseph waiting for you. He's talking about that's that cash flows more than I make a month right now. Please show me how. <laughs> we got Molan shouting out. What's up, guys? We appreciate you coming on the show, Jerry. We appreciate you on the show sharing this. Um, people want to know the type of investments that right now are paying good cash flow. Um, let's just tell the story behind it. Let's just go from from start to finish and uh, and then give people an update on how it's currently going and the pros and cons and and uh, what's next at, on the horizon. Yeah, let's kind of let's kind of start with the whole. So funny story. Jared actually works with me in PA, and uh, Jared kind of tell the story how we kind of connected again last year. <laughs> yeah. It it started off just me on my journey and and diving into real estate and doing a lot of research being on different platforms uh meeting a lot of different people and on this one platform i kept seeing jewelry pop up you know in my market and then as i seen him pop up he also looked familiar to me <laughs> I met Jory, I believe I was a senior in high school. Uh -huh. Jory was in college. My high school took a trip to college. You know, we went to spend a day at the college so we can see what college is like. And I got paired up with Jory. <laughs> so I was Jared's host. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I was waiting for one day, one day. You know, so like I tell everyone, first impression is everything because I could have been a true jerk to Jory, not knowing that I was going to reach out to Jory, what, 15 years later, you know, yeah, yeah. To, to get some information with real estate and and just try to further my education, you know, so it just happened to me being me, 
I am not that person. I'm not a true jerk, you know. So I started seeing him on these platforms and I reached out to him, you know, and brought up them days 15 years ago. <laughs> and at first, Jory was like, no, I think you got the wrong person. <laughs> and I'm like, no. So I actually <laughs> called one of my classmates who was there one day. And I was like, do you remember when we went to that college trip? You know, long story short, he was like, yeah, that that is him. You know, so then I reached back out to Jory and I actually explained, you know, the time when we met and, you know, and it all it finally came back to him. So from there on, you know, I, I knew he's been doing this for a while. So it's like I said, whatever I can do to help him out in exchange for knowledge, you know, I'm here to help. I didn't want no pay. I didn't want anything. So I, I just wanted to learn, and I continue to learn every day from both of y'all. Wow. And I definitely yeah. appreciate the platform that y'all do because I'm, I'm tuning in. Even though me and Jory work together now, I'm still tuning in and learning every day from awesome, the, yeah. the, the stuff that you guys put out and the shows that y'all put out. Much appreciated, much appreciated. Yeah, much appreciated, man. Jared, definitely much appreciated, man. That yeah, that was a crazy story. He hit me back up, and this was like I was a freshman. He was a senior, and he had to come stay with me for a day. I had to show him around the campus. So for the circle back around was just was just pretty amazing. <clears throat> those are the those are the funny stories of how I tell people all the time: your networking is going to bring you deals is going to put money in your pocket the problem is are you going to be around for when those opportunities mm. come because mm. we live and and here is what i feel is going to be the biggest issue with the new school getting into this business the new school is growing up in a world of instant gratification because mm. we have you know computers in the palm of our hand we don't wait for nothing I, I, we come from the school of going to the library when and having to look through things to be able to get information. Exactly. <laughs> and we have been, you know, riding this train of information and connections and the simple fact that look at where we are right now. Each one of us are in a different place. And yet we're having a conversation as if we were at Starbucks together looking at each other's faces, sharing information, and doing deals together. Literally, mm. not physically together, but virtually together. And that is the new world. So the youth and the young bucks getting into the game now, this is normal to them. This is how they do things. They don't know anything else, which is great, right? That's the positive side of being able to do deals and virtual real estate investing and all that stuff. But the flip side and the moral of the story that Jared just shared from what I got is not everything in this game is instant gratification. You're not going to meet somebody and tomorrow do a deal with them. You're not going to meet somebody and then tomorrow they're going to open their doors for you. But you need to meet everybody right now and have a long term view as let me make sure I'm respectful. Let me make sure I'm courteous. Let me make sure I'm helpful. Let me make sure I keep this person in my network, in my database, and reach out to them periodically to build a relationship because maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not 2022, but maybe 2028, that person now becomes somebody that is vital in a deal 
that you're trying to do. And that long-term non-instant gratification, that is the key, in my opinion, to so many of my deals. I do so many deals now with people that have been in my world for years, and I'm careful on how I treat them, how I speak with them. What I, even if they can't do nothing now, I just don't brush up. Ah, all right, come back whenever you come yeah. back when you got some money, come back when you got some credit, come back when you got a deal, whatever the case may be, whatever the scenario or situation is. I try to always give and pay attention and be present and keep them in some type of connection. And this podcast has really helped that because now I invite people to just listen to the podcast. And they can hear these type of stories and it keeps us connected because you never know when you're making cash flow off of a relationship you met 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah you got to learn how to nurture. You got to nurture relationships, right? Like, you know, microwaves, it's not real estate is not a microwave. Get quick, you know, get rich quick industry, right? People see it now. I know we've been going through a, a bubble or whatever, you know, a time market for a while but like it took us year me and kevin been since oh four oh five oh six right and like it's taken years and years and years to build this business and one thing i see a lot is people come in the deal right away right don't get a deal in a month or two months they want to you know they want to go to something else like i'll, I'll do real estate now or i'll do frex now or i'll do crypto now right and it's like you gotta learn how to nurture something because this stuff doesn't happen overnight right so that that's such a key statement as you said because me and jerry hadn't talked since that day like we met that one day and we didn't keep in touch <laughs> you know we hadn't talked since that day but that one encounter has you know helped us out both tremendously so jerry yeah. fast forward to now you connect with jory you start being boots on the ground on his team which there's another podcast show we did about that and that's in the virtual real estate investing course make sure you guys check that out on our website um then this deal presents itself. So tell me how this deal even became a topic of conversation for you to personally take it down. That that once again comes back to Jory, you know, the the relationships he's built in the past. It was it was someone he grew up with, you know, had the building and he was tied up at the time with other projects and that building was just sitting. So, you know, once again, my relationship with Jory, Jory brought that deal to me. And on top of that, it was in my backyard. It was yeah. in where the town I grew up in. I, I know it with my eyes closed. I know everyone down there. Most importantly, the, the, you know, when you know the code officer, cause they, they, they control a lot. They control mm -hmm. a lot. So, and once again, that's just me and me and being who I am, I had good relationships with, with everyone around my area. So once he brought it to me, I, it was a no-brainer. It definitely was a no-brainer. It was a good deal. Yeah, and that's another point. We could add another person because the deal I got the deal from, I went to high school with. I hadn't talked to him in probably 20 years. <laughs> you know, I, I hadn't talked to him in probably 20 years. And we kind of talked a few weeks before that through the podcast, social media. He brought me a deal. And then I'm talking, and I knew Jared was from this town. So, of course, hey, Jared, how's this deal? Go look at it. You know, and like, like Jared said, 
it's so it's so good to no matter what town you're at make sure you know the people in your town right know the code officers you know know the investors know the buyers right know the con like know your area because you want to look so many other places but sometimes in your own backyard there are so many good deals that you can benefit from <clears throat> yeah 100 percent. now this if correct me if i'm wrong if my memory serves me correctly this had some burn damage right this was this was a property that was had some fire damage Nope. No, that wasn't. That's yeah. a different one. That's a different one. This this was the three unit property. This one needed work, but it didn't have a fire damage to it. Okay, so this property yeah. needed work, and you saw this. And Jared, where at what point when you saw this deal did you say, "Man, I really want this one"? What what was like aside from you the location and you knowing it, but actually once you saw the numbers, once you saw the rehab on it, what exactly was the uh, the eye catching like? aha moment where you said this one's for me well number one i believe the the prior owner he was only renting it as a two unit so there was a whole first floor that at one point was a storefront years before my time and then there was a whole fourth floor that was just never used so i knew there that you can create more cash flow being that if you finish the first floor and if you finish the fourth floor and it's actually a three unit now but it's also set up to be a four unit so i also separated all the meters there's four meters on the house so that's just for the future you know down the road once we move forward from that the next person can come in. They got options. They can leave it how it is, or they can go to a four unit. Now I combined the the top floor with the third unit, so it, it just made that bigger. All right. So now you basically have the first unit rented out, correct? Correct. You have the second floor unit rented out as the second unit, and then you did the third and fourth floor as the third unit to make it bigger. Correct. And also I, you know, you, you think I, if I were to rent that out, I'm sure people's wondering, well, how, how am I getting that cash flow? <laughs> In the area, not everybody can has the opportunity to afford a full rental, meaning a two bedroom or three bedroom, you know, there's that market, just like y'all talk a lot. There's that market for houses that's worth forty or fifty thousand dollars because people have trouble getting a loan from the bank for them for them type of houses because of the price. So at the same time, I felt and it's it's already out there. I, I break them down into rooms. Mm -hmm. So once you can break it down into rooms you can break the price down. You know, I, I charge by the room. And I know a lot of people, the first thing when I tell people, man, I gotta be a headache. Well, I have regular rentals. They're a headache too. <laughs> you know, so it, it all it all comes down to who you put in there, the tenant, and, you know, your screening process. Cause that anything can be a headache. You can have a rental in the suburbs. That could be a headache as well. So screening is 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 very important i mean i know i jumped the gun on 
No, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, we ha- we ha- we need to get to that point anyway because yeah, that's it's a three unit building that could be four units. But when me and Jared were looking at looking at the possibilities for cash flow, right? And Jared told me because I wasn't any anything familiar with room houses, right? But Jared already had a house that he was using as a rooming house um, before, and he was telling me the numbers on. It. I was like, well, let's look at this. This this fits perfect. So when he showed me the numbers of what what we could make as a rooming house, I was like, oh yeah, you know this this is where I have to go. And again. He knew the code officers in the city who said, yes, you can do it this way. Here's how you do it. So it's all legal. Legally do this in that town. And because of that, it was able to be set up to a rooming house where how many rooms is the house right now? Um, there's nine rooms from the, the, the second floor to the top floor. And then on the first floor is a, is a one-bedroom efficiency. Now, now. Break down this for Miami boys, Florida boys like me that aren't familiar with this concept. What is a roomie house? <laughs> it's pretty much I I don't do no more than three rooms per bathroom. So a roomie house, you know, the tenants are, are sharing the, the bathroom and the kitchen in a common area. You know, we're like a dining room where they can sit down and eat. College style. College style, exactly. Got it. Now, are these college kids or these are regular, normal working folk that are cool with that setup and and in that area, it's common? No, no college kids. Now, you know, there's all age groups, you know, from people in their early 20s to veterans, you know. Got it. So now the pros and cons behind that, I'm just guessing is pros, you're getting more cash flow out of every room cons would be if the if you have one person like you said screening's important but let's say you have a veteran that's got some post-traumatic stress disorder and he's difficult to live around then the other people are affected and want to either leave or bring that problem to you correct correct i mean the first thing screening is respect respect your neighbors respect this same way if you would have a house you know you you ain't going to blast the music in your house knowing your neighbors right next door and that's you know it could be bothering them so the first thing i tell the people is is respect because number one i'm giving them opportunity you know without rooming houses and rooming houses are big they're they're throughout harrisburg you know not only in just pennsylvania there's a company down in Atlanta, you know, a really big company that that runs roaming houses and they manage them. So these people, most of them, you know, some of them hit rock bottom and they're on their way back up. Right. So they also need a chance. And, you know, as they come in, I, I, I let them know that this this ain't a party house. I make sure they got a job. You go to my houses during the day, it's quiet because there's no one there. Everyone's working now. It's depending on what shift they're on. Now, when they come back, they're resting up, getting ready for the next day. So that's why I tell people respect each other. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if someone got to get rest for, for work, then, you know, we I have quiet hours. You know, there's a time where it's, it's completely quiet. Even just talking on your phone, you know, that could disturb the, the guy in the room right next to you. If you're arguing with someone, 
Now, the cons can be, I know of people who do rooming houses with couples. I prefer not to do that because you can put a person who was married for 40 years that was fine in a house, put them in a rooming house. We're human. That just won't work. You know, people need our space. You know, it might be a disagreement and, you know, in a house you can go in that room or they can go in that room, but couples, it can be, it can be a headache. Now I never done it, but I, I get word on the street of people who do house couples and it can go good in the beginning, but we're human. Like I said, things happen where people need their space. Perfect yeah, example. I, I was just told about a couple the other day and they broken up. So the woman moved out, but when the, the landlord went in the room, they had the whole room divided like two apartments. You know, he was on that side, she was on that side. And, you know, that that's just not the way to go. So right. I, I normally just do uh, people who single, because like I said, most people are trying to get back on their feet. You know, people that's coming out of being incarcerated, they still need a chance too to grow and get back on their feet. Amen. Yeah, I was gonna Boy, say there's a, there's a huge need too. I mean, Jerry would tell you we, we have churches coming to them, you have you know the missions coming to them. There's a huge need in a lot, a lot of cities in America right now. We already know affordable housing is the biggest problem we have in this country, right? Affordable housing. So you know, we, we kind of dabble mostly in affordable housing and the stuff that we have, you know, either through our notes that we're selling or our rental properties. But there's a level below that where people don't have any housing at all, you know. So there's a huge need where these rooming houses are the only thing available for these people to come to. So, you know, they have like these have jobs, they have friends working with, they just need to stop from someone. And uh Jared filled a great need with that. <clears throat> yeah, no, I can imagine making a, a, a big impact in the community. Molin's asking, how's the lease look? Are you doing them week to week, month to month? Is there some, you know, something special about the leases compared to regular residential leases? Um, my leases are set up year to year. And for that purpose, not stand, saying that they have to stay there for a year, you know, when they feel that they're good and go on their own or, or they got a place to go, they're able to go. But my leases are set up by year mainly because how the system's set up for the banking, you know, is they don't like to see short-term leases. They want to see long-term leases. So that's, in the beginning, I had it uh, month to month, but then I, I decided to, to, to make them a year. Yeah, when you say the bank, you're saying because we can go into the details of the deal, but you bought this deal, you have to refinance the deal after it was fixed. Up. So when you're refinancing that deal, that bank wants to see you have a long-term tenant in there, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. And that's the first thing the bank, when you know, they said, well, we don't understand this cash flow. <laughs> so I had to, I, I had to break it the whole way down for them and, and I'm still doing it. You know, they're still asking me more questions. I, I sent them all of my leases because they was like, well, can we see your lease? I said, it's going to be more than one. <laughs> Yeah, and Kevin, kind of get, kind of get into that as far as an appraisal side, Kevin. When you see something like that, right, as an appraisal, <laughs> that that property brings in more cash flow than the average unit that looks like. Okay, so how how is that getting appraised? Well, 
when you're appraising a multifamily four units or less, they're still going off comparable sales based off square footage and the actual room count and, and bed and bath. When you go past the four units, now they're really looking at the cash flow. So when you're at five units or more, they're looking at the cash flow. Um, but they are comparing it to zoning and making sure that everything's legal. So if you have, let's say an eight unit, but you chopped it up into 12 units, but you didn't do it legal, when they do an appraisal, they're not gonna be able to give you credit for the four extra units that you you know chopped up and put in there. But if you did everything legal like Jared did and you went through the city and you turned it into a 12 unit, then they will measure the cash flow and, uh, and the money that basically the property is producing to dictate what the value of that property looks like. So those are the two differences from an appraisal standpoint. For short-term rentals, if you don't have um, multiple years in that you know business, that if you do, they'll start to consider, not all the banks, but they might consider you essentially a hotel type business. So a bed and breakfast. But you got to show them financials. You got to show them that you have the history of doing this, the experience, and that you essentially um, run this just like any other business uh, of hotels or bed and breakfast. That's how they treat you. But if you just recently acquired a property and you're trying to refinance out um, and you got short-term rentals, yeah, they're going to be hesitant towards that just because they don't know the business model hasn't been proven there yet, right? This is what you're just starting to do. And they just want to see some history behind it before they decide to invest their money in it. That's usually their mindset behind it. Got it. Let's kind of break down. I know people want to know the, the details of this deal, right? Kind of get into how you're making that kind of cash flow and stuff. So let's kind of go through that deal, Jared. Let's go through you know the purchase price, how much the rehab was, uh, just kind of the numbers behind it. Okay. Well, the purchase price was uh sixty thousand on a three unit. Um, before we purchased it, we obviously got an appraisal of BPO, and that appraised at one seventy five. That's so ARB. Rate, yes, ARB one seventy five. So right from the the, the gate, it, it's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. And how much how much were you putting in for rehab? So I, you did the construction loan, right? So what was the total loan with the price and the rehab into it to kind of show how that was versus the ARV BPO? Uh it was ninety thousand dollars. All in ninety thousand for purchase and rehab. Yes. Okay. Got it. That was a very nice spread. So you're you're after renovations and acquisition, you're under a hundred thousand. And the appraisal is telling you that after repair value or ARV is in the 170 range, 175, 170. Correct. Beautiful. So that deal is a slam dunk all day long. And you jumped on it. We got you the financing. And then talk us about the actual renovation experience and the numbers there. Did you stick to the budget? Did you go over? Of course I went over. <laughs> of course I went over, you know, and it you you live and you learn. You live and you learn, but I mean I ran into well, especially on the first floor, I ran into 
some water issues where I had to waterproof it. So I had to jackhammer up the concrete. And not only doing all this during pandemic, but you know, you, you live and learn. But that was that was probably one of the major parts right there on the first floor and the fourth floor. Because like I said, that was never it looked like it was never touched, you know. Mm-hmm. It and there was actually two rooms up there. But I turned that into three rooms and a full bath up on the fourth floor. So yes, I, I definitely I went over budget on the fourth floor and on the first floor, but the second and third floor they, they went pretty smooth. What uh what was the actual number that what you thought it would be versus what it actually finishes? I thought I was gonna come shy under 40, but I ended up coming about close to 15 over over the 40. Okay. Yeah, I would I would recommend, especially if you're able to get the financing for it for anybody who's in this situation, you always gotta cushion your numbers because there's always surprises. So mm-hmm. best case scenario, worst case scenario, and then throw a cushion because if you don't end up using it, well then you can always, you know, pay it back quickly. Um when you're tight and then there's surprises now you gotta go and figure out where to get the money from if you got the money then no big deal because you can be conservative and say well worst case scenario if i'm over 15 grand i'll just put that money myself if your finances are not going to be affected by it um but that's that's probably one of the bigger things that i see in most renovation projects that people budget always with optimism and get get the money with optimism and there's nothing wrong with being positive minded and taking action but if you had that extra 15 grand funded you don't got to spin your wheels looking for it yeah and i also had income coming in from the properties because units two and three didn't need as much work so i started the units that didn't need a, a lot where i can get them occupied right away so, and like I said, when you're breaking it down by the room, I, I had them in there pretty fast. So I was I was getting income as I was rehabbing the, the other units. What were the what yeah, were let's, the let's kind of, room? What was that? Break down the numbers per floor per room so people get an idea of what we're looking at. I I break it down, I have more the smaller rooms and the bigger rooms you know the smaller rooms are more you know probably like your your kid size rooms there i have them at 150 per week and then i have the bigger rooms at 160 per week which i am actually low when it comes to the market and rooming houses i know other people who charge 175 and around 160 to 165 for the smaller rooms it kind of brings have three. Right. oh go ahead I'm sorry about that go ahead when you when you're doing these rooming houses right you're providing furniture right correct okay so kind that's, of bring a, down that's, a, that's another expense i furnish them i put bed 
two dressers and I supply TVs. Okay. With, with Wi-Fi. I pay all utilities. Wi-Fi, they can watch anything through the TV. That's that's the technology for you that, that changed out here. You know, you really, all you need is Wi-Fi to, to watch TV. Mm-hmm. Now, most people come with their fire sticks. I know a lot of people know what fire sticks are. They bring their fire sticks and they watch whatever they want. But yeah, I supply, I supply all the furniture. In the common area, I, I, I put a table down so they sit down and eat. The stove, the uh, refrigerator, pots and pans. I supply everything. So pretty much they're just bringing their clothes or whatever else they have and they're moving in. Perfect, perfect. Mm. Now, the $3,700 cash flow is after you pay utilities, correct? You pay the financing. So that's what you're taking home on this property. Correct. Those are great numbers. That's not everything. And not only do I help them, you know, with with the pots and pans and everything i whatever they need a lot of times you know if i have access or know someone who has a company who's hiring i i help them out with getting a job i help them out with if they need food i work with the local food bank that's about three minutes down the road from the from the property i help them out with that you know if they need it some of them do take my offer some of them are okay so the, there, there's just, there's a lot more. And I supply them laundry. I have a laundry room where that brings in more income. And then the summertime, I supply them with air conditioning like you guys down there in the hot area where y'all have central air. You know, up here, we're not hot all year round. So we, some people still throw the AC units in the window. So I supply the AC units now that's that twelve dollars extra weekly because my electric bills gonna go through the roof you know everybody running their acs as well as the laundry that's five dollars extra a week they don't have to use it but if they want to use it it's five dollars extra a week they can use it as many times throughout the week i have keypads on there so anytime they hit that door it goes to my phone i know when they're entering the laundry room so that adds more to the income, and hopefully, uh, um, you know, there's an opportunity of vending machines. Oh, I like that. That's the next play. You're gonna put vending machines on the property. I'm looking into that as we speak. Very nice. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you, you're essentially running this like a like a college dorm, except that it's not for college people. It's for people getting back on their feet and 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 trying to get back into the community and and grow from there. Exactly. I also and, now in the lease, I don't mind them having guests and people over. But like I said, the bottom line is we're going to respect everyone else around. So I allow up to two people as a guest, but no no overnight stays. That's a break in the, in the, in the lease. Now, 
at my other property, I had a guy, his, one of his girlfriends was out of state. You know, she was, she came in for the holidays. Communication is key. As long as you let me know, I'm, I'm okay with it. So she stayed with him for the weekend. So I, and I was fine with that. But it's, it's just, it's, it's all about communicating with me. Yeah, right. as far as like um, marketing, right? When you're looking for tenants for the rooming house, you know, what's the difference between marketing for a rooming house compared to a traditional rental? In the beginning, I used Craigslist, but after that, it was more word of mouth. You know, mm -hmm. these guys are talking, coming to me, telling me, yeah, I have a guy I work with, he needs a place, or my buddy just got divorced. You know, he needs a place. So it, it's lately, it's just been word of mouth. I have not put anything on the market probably in a, in a, about two or three months. Hmm. Got it. And as far as the manager, right? I know some, some people who have rooming houses who will have a tenant there who probably gets, you know, a little lesser rent, a discount on rent, or maybe even rents for free. And they kind of handle managing the rest of the house, right? How are you doing it with that property? Yes, I do have uh, one of the guys who's in efficiency. He is the manager. You know, he if they need anything upstairs or if something's going on or they lose a key, they all have his number and he's just a couple steps down. He'll come right up and help them. And what deal did you what arrangement do you have with him? Uh, I took off some rent from his efficiency where he stays at right now he's currently paying 800 a month which that efficiency being that is everything's new in there i could get a lot more for that mm -hmm. but by him you know working with me he also helps me with the rehab he he was one of the guys that helped me with the rehab so i, I still continue to use him to give me a hand on things so as far as property management side of things, being that you have an on-site person, realistically for making $3,700 take home, how difficult has the property management side of things working for that money per month been so far? Aside from renovations, we're talking just strictly managing the people and the property. It's, it's been a lot easier than I thought. It took me a while to get into this. I knew, I, I know people who've been doing this for over 10 years. And it took me to take tours. The one guy, he has about seven rooming houses in Harrisburg. And I, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> it almost sounded like a party house to me, to be honest. So I asked him to walk me through all of his houses. And once he walked me through his houses, it, it just blew me away, you know, with people in there, the kind of people he had. And I mean, I know people right now, to this day, when I see people and tell people, they just can't believe it. Right away, they think it's a headache, you know, especially getting paid weekly. Well, technology helps you out with that. Because everyone, all of my tenants pay through the cash app. I'm not going there collecting cash every Friday. That's that's not the type of investment that I want, you know. 
I want the Cash App. Everyone pays through Cash App, and I make sure they have Cash App set up before they move in. That's one of the qualifications to move in is to have Cash App set up. Um, Joe's asking, is this a city property? He was on a conference call. Joseph's asking, where is this at in, in PA, in Pennsylvania? Um, it's in Stilton, PA. And it's, no, it's, it's really not in the city. I wouldn't call it the city, but <laughs> it's it city. can I be mean, done. Now, I tell people, if you're planning on do that, make sure you you speak to your local code officer. Make sure you speak to your neighbors. Let the neighbors know what you plan on doing, especially if they're homeowners. I get they have the first say in what goes on, especially on their street, on their block, you know, especially as a homeowner, you know, and explain to them what what you're trying to do, you know, because right away they're, they're going to think, OK, you're not bringing this this party mess to my area. So you got to explain to them what it is that you do and, and what kind of people, you know, you're, you're going to be housing there. So that's the yeah, first step. I was going to say, that's a huge, huge point uh, is that you have to pick the right neighborhood, right? Because there are parts of the city where Jared's at, still in Harrisburg, where you'll see more rooming houses, right? And it's almost common, you know, where you'll see mm -hmm. someone take a five-bedroom single family, turn into seven, eight rooms, or take a duplex, turn into six, eight rooms, right? But if the neighborhood and the neighbors aren't good with it, you're going to have headaches, you know? So, you know, make yeah. sure the neighborhood is good with it. Yes, because there's a lot of bad ones out there. And at one point, you know, they was thinking about shutting them down, but they need them, you know, because they said the homeless rate would go through the roof if, mm -hmm. if they did that. But, you know, like in a city, they have certain requirements in the city. You know, you have to have interlocking fire alarms. There's there's a health permit. There's a there's a permit per bed, you know, so you definitely want to check with the code officer and, and you know, safety's first. Safety's first because it definitely can come back and, and, and haunt you. Because there's been a lot of fires at roaming houses. Like the director of our local mission told me, when people, when he goes out, he inspects the roaming houses because he's seen some very bad ones. And he don't want to put his people in, you know, a bad situation. Especially if they're trying to turn their life around or, or, or get back on their feet. It's kind of hard to do that in a bad situation. Yeah, you almost become like Jared will say right now when they when someone knows you have a good reputation for having a rooming house, you will get tenants referred to you, right? Like you said, they're looking for rooming houses in the area, right? So if you do a good job, you won't have an issue finding tenants because they're going to be handing them off to you because there are at Apple's there doing the same thing. Let me ask you a question, Jared. If you were to have to evict somebody, have you already had that issue or have you looked into the process? Is it any different than a regular eviction? I personally, I had two evictions for, for uh, non-payment. Now, not during the pandemic. This was well before the pandemic. And, you know, I... Like I said, I, I'm not here to put people in the street. You know, I help them out. I give them a chance. And 
when their money is due and I go to the house, the keys are on the table. Now I can knock on wood, they're all not gonna be like that, but I have not had any problems, you know, the people that I that that couldn't make it or wasn't ready to to start their new life to get back on their feet because they still wanted to, you know, play the game or play the street game, whatever they was. You know, I, I have not had any problems. They walked away. But yes, I believe the eviction process, just getting word from other people who have roomy houses. They had to take them through the, the, the regular eviction process through the courts. In that city right now, what are you hearing as far as evictions and how long is it taking? Are they backed up? Are they are you guys having some of the issues that some other cities are having? Yeah, I believe they just extended, you know, the eviction process. So meaning no no evictions right now. So it, it is, it's, it's pretty tough for not only the tenants and the landlords. Were you seeing um, people having major issues during the pandemic with these type of properties that you own? Um, me personally, no. My tenants, they, they stayed working. Now I know one guy, he had two jobs. He cut down to one job, but then I also slashed the, the, the pay, the rent too, during the pandemic. And I am now, like I have it down. Like I said, I could be up a lot higher, but meaning that we're in the pandemic, like I'm not here to hurt anyone and I'm not here to take advantage of anyone. But yes, I have bills to pay, you know, with operating the, uh, the three unit, but I'm here to help, you know, as long as they can work and communicate I have not had any problems personally. Now, Jared, are you doing this full time now? Are you, or is this a side gig? What's your outlook on the future? Well, I'm, I'm full time. Um, I'm still currently uh, a pipe fitter. So I'm a plumber pipe fitter by trade. I will continue to do that. You know, I won't never leave that. That's that's what got me started. You know, like I said, you, you got to have more than one source of income. I can always go back to work. But I'm leaning towards of, you know, this is this is what I wanted to do. Now, roaming houses for the next couple of years. I can't say that. <laughs> but I'm going to continue to grow and, you know, see how it goes. You don't think that this is something you want to be doing for 10 years? You want to move to different type of properties or or you're kind of experimenting to see for how long you'll be managing these type of properties? Well, I'm, I'm looking to scale a little bit more. You know, like I said, with you guys' platform, you can do a lot now. You can do a lot without being the traditional landlord. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm learning the note game. Mm -hmm. I'm learning the seller finance game. And that's where I'm going to probably start to, to move forward to and start doing some seller finance. Just being the bank. That that That's the greatest thing that I think you can be. I mean, the bank's been surviving all these years doing it. <laughs> Why can't we do it? Amen. Exactly. Be the bank. 
Definitely. So yeah, I'm Jared. Just building my education every day. I got Jared, man. He's still a little scared, but I'm I'm trying to make him start making some of these seller financing offers to these sellers. So <laughs> we'll see how you he know, goes. You, you gotta crawl before you walk, you know. And <laughs> and jewelry sometimes, you know, and you too. Y- y'all been doing it for so long, and it becomes natural to you. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm like I said, I'm I'm thankful. To be able to call you guys and ask you guys questions and like i said you didn't come to me i i reached out to you so when i give advice to other people i tell them there's nowadays there's no excuses because my parents didn't grow up with the technology to be able to do what we're doing right now you know everybody's walking around with a cell phone but at the same time as technology changed distractions change too there's more distractions out here that is taking people's attention away Mm -hmm. yeah so but everybody i i think it's it's a level playing field now you just gotta go go after what you want and the information is out there Mm -hmm. yeah that's so key you said that you know before we came on me and kevin were talking about that thing right now where you see uh this Wall Street bets. I don't know if you guys saw that, but how they t- they're taking GameStop up to like four hundred dollars in the stock market, right? That's just a bunch of people at home with a phone on Reddit and Robinhood, right? So like you literally can go out there and make money with your phone however you want. It's just are you can make money with it or be distracted on social media all day scrolling down. That is so true that you said that, Jerry. There, there are no excuses. There's information out there for free all over the place, right? Uh, Jared came to me. He approached me twice. You know, he, he didn't stop at the first time when I said, I don't, I don't know who this is. He came back again. <laughs> yeah. And every time I see y'all, it makes me step up. You know, every time I see you doing, I tell myself, I, I got to step it up, you know, but it, it, and that's why I tell people you are who you surround yourself around. Bottom line, you know, if you surround yourself around people that's doing less than what you're doing then you think you're doing great so i i tell myself i'm i'm so far behind but then i got other people say oh man you're doing great no i'm not if you see who i'm watching i'm not even close so you know you just like i said it's not an overnight thing it takes time it takes time and education one of my friends told me well, I'm, I'm going to just buy me a, a, a four-unit apartment building, but knows nothing about real estate. <laughs> I said, well, you, you need to study and read something first. No, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be I'll be all right. And, you know, he, some people just going to have to learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. there. I was having this conversation yesterday as well where there's a beauty to action takers, and they usually end up getting things done. But there's also a beauty to educated action takers because they get things done and they avoid um, issues. And like you said, at this point, there's no excuse. There's plenty of platforms that are sharing and uh, and being transparent. And it just gives you a little bit more insight when you're making your moves to uh, save not just time, but money as well. Definitely. Definitely. Well, hey, this is a great story, man. I wanted to share this story because, uh, you know, that one house, you took it many different ways and created some great cash flow from it. And the big thing 
with us is we're always trying to help somebody out, right? Like you're helping people out at the same time, you know, like people are being helped out, people's lives are being changed, and we're still be able to make money, provide for our family. And that, I mean, that's what social capitalism is all about, right? You can, you can be capitalist, you can be, but you, you find a need and you feel that need and we all win at the end. So great story, Jared. Happy you could come on, man. We appreciate you. You know, keep, keep going out there doing it. <clears throat> Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. And, uh, and at the end of the day, we'll, we'll be bringing you on, you know, periodically for the next move and watching your growth and supporting you. So, um, as always, thank you for sharing. Thank you for coming on board. And, uh, and if people need to reach out to you, speak a little bit more on this, you're in the Facebook group with we'll shut up and invest on Facebook. How else can they reach out to you, Jared? Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, nice underscore investor. Nice. All right, my friend. Appreciate your time. As always, hey, thank guys. you once again for listening to All Shut right. Up and Invest. If you guys right, are motivated to continue your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join our community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest.